Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm with the wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. <clears throat> wow. Hey, welcome everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. Uh, what, what is this, podcast number 56 or something like that? We're working on it. Yeah, awesome. We're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas, which is right outside of Houston. So if you got a globe, get the dust off of it. Go ahead, spin it around real quick. Put your finger on it. If it's blue, you're in the ocean. Find the United States, find Texas second largest city or state in the Union. Down the southeast corner is Houston. Southwest side is Sugar Land, and that is where we are. We are starting a brand new study. This is the Man Up podcast based on the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship. It's a spiritual oasis for guys. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys trying to get deeper meaning. And what we do is we go through a study. And why is that better? It's much better. I had a discussion with a guy this week who said, why don't you guys just get together and talk about your faith? The reason why is this. A dominant personality will always come over and take over the discussion. That's why we have an actual lesson plan. We go through a lesson, read the scripture, and then discuss it. We also want you out there to know the guys that are on the panel and their professions because I can tell you what, you can tell when a person is given a church answer, a profession answer, or when they're coming down as a real man. And that's what we are here at Man Up. This is real men deepening our faith and we're inviting you to come along for the journey. We're also on Facebook, Man-Up. You might have found us on iTunes. We're also on SoundCloud. We have a great study that we're starting. It's from the Connect 360. It's Character and the Crown. And it is about leadership. And I know as a guy's thing, we talk about leadership a lot. But here's the thing. As we go through and we look at these lessons, you might see something that you have thought about previously maybe you haven't thought about previously or maybe even more importantly you thought about but dismissed previously we're going to explore those kind of topics it's a great study character in the crown our first one is a desperate plea from a faithful follower <clears throat> i'm going to go ahead and introduce our panelists great bunch of guys um, Sorry we got started a little bit late. Wardrobe was a little more extensive today than it was normally. So, <laughs> And with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to just introduce the fellows first and then let them uh, talk about the scripture and the lesson, and then we'll read the scripture and come back with a discussion. I'm going to start with, he is a professional trainer. Robert Koshu. I used to say a Fortune 100 company, but he just changed, and I don't know. I, I'm sure they're really good, especially because uh, the professor's there. And you know what? They're lucky to have him. And absolutely, well, just just you. like we are. And they're big enough uh, to have their name on a stadium. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I will 
don't say which ones. But yeah. is it, is it a one. double A or a single A? That's right. And also, um, and because I'm not in trouble, uh, but I still have an attorney here, and if I was in trouble, he'd probably throw the book at me. It's Mr. Michael Cropper. Yep. <clears throat> and he is a our resident intellectual as well as a professional gambler. So if you're ready to lose some money, you picked the right guy, Mr. Steve Titches here. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman, but I'm kind of a writer and actor, and I'm the host and director of Man Up. I want to go ahead and... Uh, Start with get a brief overview, and we'll start with uh, with the judge. All right. Uh, well, it's good to be here, everyone. Uh, as Bill said, we are starting in a book called uh, Character and the Crown, and uh, our first lesson is taken from First uh, Samuel. Uh, just a brief introduction to it, folks. Where we are in the Israel history, Israelite history, is prior to any kings have come to lead and guide Israel. Uh, there have been a number of judges, if you've read anything in the Old Testament, there have been a number of judges that has guided Israel in their spiritual path, whether it's Moses, uh, Joshua, uh, Ruth, uh, Nehemiah. Samson. These all, am, am I correct? Samson. Yeah, Samson. Samson. Oh, absolutely. Uh, right. Samson's always a great one to refer Deborah. to. Everyone's Deborah. Deborah. Yeah, so yeah, Deborah's out there. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, those were leading Israel, and now there's a period of time when God has chosen to change over to, uh, uh, to prophets to lead the, the, uh, the people of Israel and to guide them spiritually. And he doesn't call them judges anymore, but rather prophets, or we don't refer to them as judges anymore, but rather the prophets. And Samuel is one of our key ones who we're going to talk about. It's great, great, great lesson. Great, 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 great lesson. Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, I, it, in fact, the whole study is going to be First Samuel. Um, and that's why it's character in the crown. Um, a lot of characters in it. A lot to say uh, about both the consistency or constancy of God as a king and the, shall we say, the protean fortunes of mankind, of humans, of... Uh, of the regions he, God puts in charge of his kingdom. Uh, sometimes they're on top, sometimes they're on bottom. It's something that as men we can identify with. Excellent, excellent. And Professor? Yeah, this is going to be a really great study because it's really talking about character and what it means. And Mike, Mike kind of asked me last week, difference between ethics and character. And yeah, yeah. ethics is just a framework that you believe. Believe it or not, I'm just going to throw it out there. The Nazis had ethics. They had an ethical framework. Now, it was totally wacko and evil, but it was still an ethical framework that they worked in. Character is what you do and how you live out your beliefs and how you live out your ideas and your life. And from our perspective as Christians, we want to live out in a biblical character or biblical ethics framework. And so this is going to really address that for 13 weeks, and we're going to talk about what it means to have good character as a man through leadership. And I, I'm just pumped. This is going to be a great study. I think it is going to be a great study. We're going to go ahead and dive off into the scripture. This is 1 Samuel 1. There was a certain man from Ramathane, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephraimite. 
He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hopni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your sermon, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and he said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord had granted me what I had asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Wow. Long story. I think it's a, a fascinating, the way the, st the Lord starts with the prophet Samuel she made a Nazarite vow for him. And you know what? As he, I mentioned this in class, I think we talked about this. 
He could have chose not to follow that Nazarite vow later on had he done this, uh, but he didn't. He stayed with it, became one of the greatest prophets we will study and, and, and uh, leaders of Israel. And I was trying to remember some of the other Nazarites. You had Samson, which Steve brought up, was a Nazarite, took a Nazarite vow and chose to play around with God's trust and his anointing. And then you had what Elijah and Elisha were Nazarites. John the Baptist and took John, a Nazarite exactly vow as well. Exactly, last one. Yeah. John the Baptist is a... On, on page 22, can you tell us what, what a Nazarite vow is for, oh, go ahead. for those and... <laughs> Oh, I was going to go. I was going to. Oh, it was. I just. I'm not going to read. It's. It's essentially. It's. It's kind of a uh, the equivalent of what would be a monk or a a an ascetic of uh, in in the times of ancient Israel. He he would be certainly uh, dedicating his life to the Lord. But it it says here a a a covenant of consecration and commitment. Uh, you would abstain from wine or even grapes and raisins and other strong drink. Yeah. You wouldn't cut your hair. That's where Samson comes in. Uh-huh. Uh, and you would not definitely uh, touch or even go near a, a, a dead body. And uh, those were signs of your outward commitment. And yes, yes. And, and Hannah makes these vow, this vow on Samuel's behalf before again Samuel is conceived. Right. Uh, and he does right. follow through. Right. right. He does follow through. That's what's amazing mm-hmm. about it, and, uh, and his heart is for God tremendously. You know, one thing that, uh, and this is just a, a little rabbit hole that I was thinking of. You never know what part of the wheel you play. You know, and that's the thing about the story. And then one thing, and one thing about it, when you look back on history, you see somebody of faith was a huge reason for the next big step. Although they weren't necessarily the main event, but it was their faith that created the next step. That's interesting because Israel had, while Eli was one of the judges of Israel, the period, he was at the end of it and they had really fallen off. Right. Yes. You know, there was about a two, I'm thinking, if I remember my history timeline correctly, two to three hundred years or so after the last real true heavy-duty judge, before we get to Eli and Samuel, and you get the feeling from this and further stories about Eli that Eli was just, he was going through the motions of being the, the judge and the high priest. He, he wasn't really into it. He You know, here he is, and it talks about he'd already forfeited the job to his kids. Yeah, you guys, I'm going to go sit here and buy the door, and, <laughs> basically. And, and, and they kind of turn it into a racket. Um, right. We'll find oh, out yeah, later. We'll, we'll find out get there. But, yeah, and that's, a, that's an interesting point when you look at it from that perspective, that in reality... Here's a two to three hundred year period of time, at least, and it may have been longer, but where the judges have really fallen off, and the guy who's in charge now, mm-hmm. he's kind of going through the motions. In the in the history books, in the in the history books, uh, the preceding history book to First Samuel is Judges. Now, right. Yes. Right. Ruth is placed in between there, but the last, the last verse 
of Judges. And Judges covers, like you're saying, yeah. 300 years, this line of, of some of them are great heroes, like Samson and Gideon. Deborah, Gideon, yeah. Uh, but, in the la- but things get worse and worse. They start worshiping idols. And, and verse chapter 21, verse 25, the last verse of, of Judges, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. So it's, it's this environment that, you know, Boom! The story of the story of uh, Hannah, uh, Elkanah, and and Samuel enter enter the enter the narrative. Right. Do as did it, everyone was doing as they see fit. Mm-hmm. Well, you you kind of see that, and, and you mentioned this with Eli being the last judge. We're the class of man up, and you say over and over, Bill, that that we have to step up, or our children will suffer for it. And, 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 and this is what happens. We see with Eli, Phineas, and his two sons, Hophni and Phineas. And the reason the judgment is going to come about in this, in what we're reading right now, is because he fails to stop his sons from blaspheming God. As a, as a priest over the temple, a Levite priest over the temple, he does not discipline his kids, nor does he remove them. And they're stealing money and they're having sex with with the women at the door of the temple and everything, and and God is just fed up with it. He says, okay, I'm going to switch over. People did as they wanted, even in the house of God, even in the synagogue. And if you don't discipline it, being the man and the assumed leader, you sanction it. That's right. If you don't discipline it, you sanction it. Well, the interesting here, now, we mentioned right before we started the podcast, I mentioned too that uh, uh, we look at Elkanah and he doesn't really step in between the two women, which are not exactly. Uh, we have Hannah, who seems to be a very godly woman, and she's trusting the Lord with all her heart. And then you have Penina picking on her, Penina picking on her, who has children, and not only does she pick on her bad, but she makes her cry. And and when they go and they're in the temple itself, they're eating and take, partaking of the sacrifice to God. Elkanah is a, uh, is a Levite or a priest and he makes his sacrifice of the offering when it's his turn and then what they don't offer as a sacrifice to God they're able to eat. Now, Leviticus said the priest can eat part of the sacrifice in their family and this is why they're apparently are in the synagogue when this is occurring and here he is he's not stopping Penina in the, in the uh, in, in the synagogue when they're eating from picking on his other wife. And that reminds me of Adam and Eve, and I mentioned that before, because we, I believe with all my heart, Adam should have stood up for Eve and stepped in between her when the serpent came to her and attempted to get her to eat the fruit of the forbidden tree. And we don't see this occurring here, but God is so, so gracious and so merciful he goes ahead and steps in between here and provides her with with her son, which she cries out to him for. And it, it ends up a very, very, very good ending. The way it is. The Lord can always intercede even when we don't step up when we're supposed to. But we should practice stepping up every opportunity we should, we have the opportunity. The, the, pa- the passage invites us to consider the relationship Hannah has with Elkanah and with, with God. It's interesting that this week we've unveiled our caveman 
So check it out. Check out our, our check it out our on our Facebook page. But because I'm, I bring this up because Elkin is described as a righteous man. Let's let's not get things. Let's make some clear. He clearly does love Hannah, but he's clueless. In a many ways. We had this discussion. We had this discussion, and actually, in my Bible study, this came up, and I kind of invited it because right. I thought he he, um, he does what a lot of men do in this situation when their spouse is down. Doesn't validate it. Says, well, "Why aren't you?" <laughs> Why are you feeling so bad? Right, Smile. Yeah, be, hey, be, yeah, yeah. hey, I, I, I mean, he, he asked this rhetorical question. Aren't I as equivalent of ten sons? sons? I mean, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of showboating, but it, he's clearly not really empathizing. And you, you had the whole yeah. thing about apparently this this household um, dynamic, dynamic yeah. is going on, and he's either. If, if you point to the scripture, this is happening in a meal, so he clearly seems to be aware of it. He's choosing to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, not to, not to get down on the two of them, but there's a problem in that relationship. She, the relationship that, that God loves Hannah too yes. uh, is not, you know, is the, is the silent side of it. Um, and what I'm what I'm getting at, and here's something as men, even though it's the, the the character is Hannah in this, the story's about her. There there are things as men we can take away from this. Hannah is is depressed. This is a real instance in the Bible of a character undergoing deep depression. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to leave the lesson. Verse ten uh, says, "In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much." The, the translation. The, the wow. translation yeah. of that yeah. is that it doesn't isn't we shouldn't walk away that like when you're bit you I didn't get this promotion I'm bitter I'm going to resent my boss now yeah. this in in the the way the Hebrew uh, connotation is it's a deep anguish it's it's not a mean or or uh, angry bitterness it's a it's a deep deep sadness yes and. Really, the, and, and, and so much, so, so many times men have to deal with this now because what in Hannah's time, she has failed at her one essential reason for being. Now, let's not critique the, the patriarchy of the time. This is just the facts of, that they were. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me, and she's really at the low point. Now, how often, how many times do men go there? Either after being fired, after working towards something and and not not getting it, and really feeling that every degree of their purpose is is is, is, is been failed. Well, they they feel job. that way until they get the next challenge. But wait, well, wait, but wait, wait, wait no, no, but, but I don't want to be for that. Okay. That's okay. That, me, that comes, but that. she puts this. She mm-hmm. takes this mm-hmm. to the Lord. She doesn't. What's interesting before even this resolves, and and, and I asked my I asked my class about this before this resolves itself. Nothing has happened other than yet. Eli has taken an attention after kind of being a little clueless himself about it, but she leaves with her burden lifted, even though her circumstances haven't changed. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious, and, and and a couple of. A couple of my class class people talked about that, and and this is kind of gets into that Sunday school dynamic. Oh well, you know, take it to the Lord in prayer, like the right. old sim goes, right. like the old song goes. And sometimes it sounds hollow. All right. But you know, 
it works question mark here we, we certainly see some of there, examples of it. there's that the, the other thing I want to add in and from a men's perspective and in verse 7 no verse 6 I'm sorry and because the Lord had closed her womb her rival right her rival kept provoking sorry. horn in order to irritate her so yeah. Penina had kept it up. You're up here, look, I got ten kids and you have none. And yeah. and you know what came to my mind? For I, years. <laughs> for years. For I years. didn't yes. go quite to the depths you did about I've lost my job, I didn't get the promotion. Mm-hmm. But this is picking and nagging. And, uh, and I'm not going to go there where your wife's <laughs> picking and nag on us, you know, because sometimes we deserve it. Where I'm going to go is at work. So and, and I am fairly certain most men in the working world have experienced this. You send an email and there was a boo-boo. Something happened, something went wrong, something went sideways. Somebody in your company grabs that email, comments, you know, maybe an appropriate comment even, that, hey, Robert, you know, I noticed you missed, you know, this particular thing. And instead of sending it just to you, Steve's smiling because he knows exactly where I'm going with this. They copy your boss, your boss's boss, maybe the VP and maybe the president of the company. Of course. And where I work, we used to call that copying God and everybody yeah. on the email. And then all of a sudden, now this little small thing that you did has become this big, huge issue. And it may not happen year after year after year like it was in this case, but it's the equivalent of it on one level from a men's perspective and from yes. a leadership perspective as we're working at work because, you know, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. I'm a certified master trainer. I mess up periodically in class. Yes. You know, it, it's just, it, it. we're human. I look at this as monotonous, redundant, mind-numbing trouble yes. for a man. Knowing that you need to be something, that you deserve something, that you have more in you, and yet you're on the assembly line of life making widgets and just hating it and just dealing with it and just taking it because you have no choice, just like Hannah. She had no choice but to take it. Day after day after day. I think she should have punched her. <laughs> if she was a man, I'm absolutely certain. And she was in my class. She would have. And, and, and it's also, though, like Steve said, and it's that bitterness of the soul when you get depressed and get beat down to that point. You see no alternative. You, no you really out. don't. No you, you don't see any outlet. You don't see any other as you go through. Um, and think about this. This is her family. This is her family. Absolutely. Nobody is on her side. Yeah. Nobody takes her side. See, in these type of families, and this is just my speculation, but the children would side up to their... Their mother. Their mother. They have to. Their mother. Because the dad can't show favorites because he has multiple wives. Right? Right. Yeah. So that's the ally, and she has none. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. Tell you what, you're barking up the wrong tree having two wives to begin with. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. That that was one thing I'm glad we cleaned up. I'll just go there and say, yeah, glad we settled that one. <laughs> but but on the, on the Lord's behalf, uh, He can sure intervene. And, and and when you step back and look at the whole picture, God knew where He was going. He wanted this little boy to be born of a righteous, righteous family, right? You step back and look at it, and he's going to do it to the point where he picks one of the two ladies, whether it was Penina or Hannah, and he's going to make one of them close their room until they cry out to him, and his anointing comes and hits her, and she becomes pregnant with a child. And a, not only a child, but just like John the Baptist or any other, he's a special child that's anointed of God, which is so so good to come back and step back and look at the whole picture of it and see how God has his hand in it completely right. while we're looking at the little details in the, in the story. I'm seeing, you know, the other thing is, is her persistence in this. She remained faithful yes. despite the depression, despite being picked on day after day after day. I see her as being very persistent. And that's one of the things, you know, that, that indicates a good character or a leadership quality is persistence. Okay. Stick-to-itiveness. Okay. Um, positive attitude, persistence kind of thing. I've had this discussion previously with uh, other people. And my question, when they say, they have a really good attitude, why have anything else? What is having a bad attitude out of, out, about a bad situation going to do for you? Yeah. you? It's like you're switching teams so you can pile on yourself too. And that means not only nobody's on your side, you're not even on your side. And I think that is one of the big things that men will do. They'll, they will abandon themselves just because they don't feel worthy and they need to understand that is not going to help you that uh, not having a positive attitude about things is not it, that's not going to help you well sometimes marshalling a positive attitude is hard yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going to simply say that. That's real. Right. I mean, yes. That's, that's real. That's, in fact, yeah. in fact, that's, that tends, that, you, uh, Hannah, Hannah is certainly not being negative here. She's not like, she's resisting the urge to, to punch Panina, which as we right. admitted, we'd be there right. in a New York minute. Uh, however, um, you, you, you see, you re, she's really struggling. She's, she's, Weeping over this, she has nowhere to turn other than God at this point, and I think she's even beyond a good or bad attitude. And we're going to be coming back with further discussion a desperate plea from a faithful follower. This is the Man Up Podcast. And welcome back. This is the Man Up Podcast. We are in the Connect 360 character in the crown. We are talking about 1 Samuel. This is our very first lesson from the study from the Connect 360 uh, lesson book. And a desperate plea from a faithful follower. We're talking about 
the focal text is First uh, Samuel 1, and we're talking about Hannah, and she made a desperate plea to God to fulfill her vow. <clears throat> Steve brought up something, uh, two things regarding that. Um, earlier in the text, um, he pointed out that, that Hannah was very, very, very bitter. Right, over the situation. That bitterness, she was, had bitterness of salt. Yes, yes. Maybe Robert brought up. I don't know. <laughs> that was Dave. But. but the interesting thing was, when she got up from praying, it was gone. I mean, I've been... And, and, and there are times when you can't control the motions because it's unexpected. Right. Things that fall on you and happen to you, whether it's at work, at home... Uh, a transmission going out on your car or something, anything that you're just not expecting that moment, and you have to grip yourself. Well, sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes down kneeling to the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, I give it up. It's finally, I, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me let go. And she did that in this this example. I think she let go of the bitterness, and she let go of the emotion that was, that was gripping her and causing her so much pain. And uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to figure out how to do it. I'm, I'm going to take this and kind of t compare it to something we talked about. So when we were doing the six battles every man must win, we talked about the lingering glance versus the appreciation, appreciative glance. This is somewhat the same thing because think about it. When things go bad, we can choose to, because as we said, first of all, it's not always easy to get your emotions up, as Steve said. You know, and then you talk about praying and as men and leaders, when things go wrong, we have two choices always. We can, oh my God, what are we going to do? And we sit there and we don't do it. And we procrastinate. And we, as, as we talked about, you go passive. And you don't do anything about it. Yeah. And you just don't deal with it. Or you dust yourself off, pray to God. And you move forward, and you power, and you power through the pain, and power into, and that's where that persistence part comes in, I think. Well, yeah, I see this also with Eli and Phineas and Hophni, right? And David, when his, when one of his sons raped one of his daughters, right? They just ignored it. And yes, it did go away, but not really. It comes back. Oh, and it came them, back right? big time and haunted them. Yes, because they didn't discipline. Coming back to discipline again, right. because they didn't discipline the family member that did this great, great we, sin. We didn't lead. He didn't lead. Did lead. He didn't lead. He ignored very good way. What was going on around him, and and part part of having character as a leader is really. <clears throat> jumping in and having that recognizing that there's something going wrong you know the the issues that Wells Fargo had a couple of years ago where they were opening bogus accounts yeah. bogus yeah. accounts yeah. multiple bogus yeah. accounts for people right no the leader knew <laughs> at some level he knew it, it, you know it, it's one of those if it looks too good to be true and you're a leader, go look into it. When I was at the call center doing call things, I always had one of our QSAs go listen to everyone's calls the first day. Right. And, and I told her, I said, the only thing I care about at this point are their calls too long or are they too short? 
Because either way meant a problem that we needed to stop and address. Any leader that, you know, because they're too short, you know, it may be, you know, you're getting off the phone in six minutes, first time you've ever been on the phone with somebody. Our normal call for a tenured person was seven minutes. We knew if somebody, day one was doing six-minute calls, there was something wrong there. You know, and the same thing goes on here. As well, leaders, we have to step up. Well, the thing about uh, Hannah, um, to me, the mere fact that uh, she followed through on her faithfulness is a testament to her. Yeah. The, you don't she, know if you're going to have any more children, right? You gave right. away your only child, child that God and, gave you that you prayed for. And, wow. and how many people in that situation would not have done it? I, I, I say almost, yes, almost it's, everybody it's almost, wouldn't. Yeah, it's... it's I, I, well, I can't think of anybody that would do it. There, there's, there's a... Actually, there's a, I'll get to... The, I, do, I do want to get to something we've been talking about. Um, Hannah, I think... I think the essence there is Hannah literally does leave it with the Lord. Yes. Um, and when we need, talking about bitterness, she pretty much literally puts it there and goes home and almost decides, I'm not going to worry about this anymore, which in itself is remarkable, but we see every sign of that. She walks home, she goes home, she sleeps with her husband. Uh, which, you know, and she does her, and again, ladies out there, this is not a comment on what, you know, 21st century things. She does what she's supposed to in her 10th century BC environment. Uh, she, she goes about her job. And, um, but with, a, with, with at least no bad attitude, right. uh, she's decided, I'm, I, I'm leaving it to God. I'm not going to worry about right. it. And, and sometimes that's all you. All there is to do, I, I don't see any job leads here. I'm not going to just wake up in the morning and give myself an ulcer thinking about how many non-jobs there are. I'm going to get up, you know, call some people, something's going to come up. I'm not going to waste energy worrying, worrying, up, worrying about worrying. it. I don't want to say, yeah, I don't right. want to make that's my not going to get, get me anywhere. I don't want, and, and that's, I think, the, that's, I think, the secret here. Now, now I'm going to get to the, the irony of this. Now, now, Hannah, by the way she's presented and listed in the, strip, in the scripture, she was probably Elkanah's first wife. All the expectations... You know what? I got that, too. All that's the expectations exactly what I thought. She's supposed to produce the heir. She's supposed to continue the line. And she probably the, felt that he, that's why he took the other... That's probably why too. Yeah, and that, and that, 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 that is a long tradition going back to Abraham. So, so, so her job is to produce this heir, and instead she produces an individual who ends up in the service of God, doing something even more important, though she must give that up. She makes that sacrifice of her own, in a way she sacrifices her own identity as first wife and mother to the heir, to become a servant of God, and willingly, and Elkanah goes along with it. Now, I, I, this is not. Please don't walk away thinking that that, that she abandoned him. She she weaned him 
later in the scripture, I believe it says she visits him. She's and, yes. and he's not he's he's not it's a left, boarding school. He's not left on the doorstep. But however, he is trained for for greater things, and he becomes very Samuel becomes very important in the history of of Israel, uh, much more important than he probably he would have been as a Levite son of Elkanah. Yeah. I would agree. I, I absolutely would agree well, we with that. We don't hear anymore about the children of Padina, do we? <laughs> right. Now, no. well, and, and not only does she not only does she take him, she goes with a young bull, an effort of flour, an effort of flour, which is like a pound and a half, if I remember correctly, and then a goat skin of wine. Yeah. So she takes the good stuff when it with wasn't. Son. It yeah. wasn't. Though I'm going to leave my child in a boohoo, I'm crying as I go. She joyfully gave the sacrifice up of her son because she had made the vow. She gave the the really the big part. Yeah, she, she almost had. couldn't wait to take him. Yeah, and dedicate him to the Lord. What you're saying? Yeah, she really, you know, and and I think that when we have persistence through crisis and through depression, when the good thing comes, it's just that much more sweeter. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. One thing I really like about this study is they give us um, highlights and certain things in the uh, text to go over. And uh, Steve talked about the uh, Nazarite uh, vow earlier. Uh, this is something I'm, I just want. I just want to go ahead and throw it out. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just read the highlights. When God does not do what you ask. Uh, and this is just uh, five bullet points. God has a better perspective. God knows all things, past, present, and future. Uh, next, we live in a broken world. Sin exists, and sinful people fill this world. Uh, number three, God's timing is best. What may at times appear to be a no from God may simply be a not now. Uh, number four, God is the only true source of fulfillment and faithfulness. And number five, God's plan is eternal. And I just want to go around as we uh, uh, summarize this lesson and just uh, talk about it in conclusion. Um, I just want to uh, bring up, um, talk about one of these myself. Uh, God is the only true source of fulfillment and faithfulness. Uh, personally, I feel that the Lord is the source of the fulfillment. However, it's up to me for the faithfulness part. And I think as a leader, uh, as a man, we display that. And that's part of our leadership that we display uh, to to our people, whether it's uh, our circle of influence, our families. Uh, our faithfulness is part of our leadership um, to them. So, and with that, I want to just go around the room and uh, summarize the lesson a little bit with the fellows one final time. And uh, and if you want, go ahead and just grab uh, uh, one of these bullet points, uh, Professor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it's good for us to remember that God is really the source of fulfillment and faithfulness. It's, we get so caught up in making do what the world 
thinks we should, that we look for that in fulfillment. And when we do that, we really risk losing God and losing our way as we move forward. So I think that, to me, when I look at it, that's one of the bullet points. Okay. For sure. Judge. When God does not do what you ask, that is so good you brought that up, Bill. The uh, When you're in the middle of a battle or when you're in a depression or a situation where you're conflicting with your fellow people at work or, or, or your children, your family, sometimes you cannot see the direction you're going with the Lord. In fact, maybe all the time you cannot see it until you step out or you move out of that particular situation of conflict that you're in. You can look back on it and see it later and say, wow, I see the Lord's hand. I can, I can tell you over and over in my life, I can see the Lord's hand in my life. Um, and, and, and a great example of this will be later in a little while, folks. You'll see, uh, I, I, I don't know if we're covered in our stories or in the lessons that we're going to cover, but uh, Hannah does have like five more children after this one when she goes Samuel to, to the Lord. And the Lord blessed her with five more. So you, when you're, again, you're, when you're in the middle of the battle, you don't always see the direction you're going is from the Lord. But if you look back when you come out, it's tremendous to see how he's led your life. Steve, in line with that, I was reading something this week about happiness. Uh, but one of the points was, don't assume your current situation will set the pattern for all future situations, which is tends to be human nature. I'm, yeah. this, uh, this bad thing happened to me, and a bad thing's going to happen to me all the time. No. Uh, so the other side of this is... For men, we've talked about men who are dealing with depression. Certainly, certainly, it's very real. Uh, the Bible has examples of it. This is a great example of it. It is not something in your head. It is not something that can be dismissed by simply attempting to change your mood. Certainly, go to a pastor. Go to a trusted friend. Just let them, you know, just listen to that and certainly, certainly pray about it. It's not, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to deal with. Uh, and so, so I, I don't want to make light of that. If you are, if you, if a spouse or a friend is depressed, don't be Elkanah. Don't, don't, don't be the guy who says, oh, cheer up, man. Cheer up. You know, right. the, the, the Rockets are going to win tonight. Right. We yeah, hope. Right. Uh, and, you know, let's, we'll, we'll be all happy tomorrow. Right. Uh, and, and certainly listen, don't judge. Uh, and sometimes that's all you're going to have to do. Sometimes you're going to be in a position where you really can't change things. You cannot be God. You cannot, you cannot open the womb uh, and, 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 and uh, arrange for a, a baby. Uh, however, uh, certainly, certainly you can be there and provide support and empathy, and just a a a shoulder to share the share the burden. Yeah. Well, this has been an excellent discussion, and what a way to kick off a brand new study. Uh, my final comments is this: I. I I'm really glad that Steve and uh, the rest of you fellows brought up the fact that uh, you thought this might be uh, depression. I didn't even, that didn't even really uh, hit me as I was uh, going through this lesson. But as we go ahead and, and summarize it, because 
men notoriously hide any type of depression that they have even more so than women do. And what I want to invite you to do is this. If you are a man that is depressed or knows someone that is, the best help is to shepherd him through the Lord and walk with him and be his friend. <clears throat> Professionals are the ones that cure him. The, the people that forgive and have grace on them, those are the ones that help them through the darkest of days. My name is Bill Cox. This is Man Up, and this has been the Man Up Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, also on iTunes, and we are also on SoundCloud, where you can see an archive of each of our episodes, if you'd like. If you have a question that you would like us to uh, answer, go ahead and post it on our Facebook page, and we'll answer it here with a Facebook on the Man Up Podcast. We invite each and every one of you to join a Bible-based church Get involved in a men's only adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school. And if there isn't one, start one. If you're ever in the Houston or the Sugarland area, come and join us. We're at the Sugarland Baptist Church. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.